Well, good morning. Uh, I'm so glad you're here with us this morning. I want to welcome back some of our students who were on a missions trip to Panama City Beach. And I want to welcome you guys back. We're glad you're here. And such good reports and good things happened there. And I'll fill you guys more in on that next week as everybody hopefully will be back from that time. But also, uh, this week, Riverbend made the Bethlehem Press, and I saw some of your beautiful faces in that as we got to celebrate Night to Shine and all the ways that God worked in that way. And it's just a way to be reminded of the community that we're a part of. And I'm just so grateful for each and every one of you. Glad that you're here with us, whether in person or online. And I want to welcome all of our first-time guests as well. So I want to encourage you, if you're a first-time guest, to fill out a connection card. You can find those out in the hallway and you can drop that right in the giving box, or you can fill it out online. We have those through the app or on our website, and then we have a gift bag for you on your way out as well. As We're glad you are here with us today. And as we think about our community here at Riverbend, one of the things that makes a community a community is its people. And recently, we had a chance to come together to do a Riverbend cleaning day. And all these people were involved in it, and it was really fun because what you got to see is the power of a group of people coming together to accomplish all kinds of different tasks. So some of those things were like removing chairs. Some of it was to take out some tiles that had been water damaged and stained and uh, spray painting those that were salvageable. And then also cleaning and getting those cobwebs out. And we had kids involved. And it's just a reminder of the power of a community coming together. And we have more opportunities like that coming up. But I, I wanted to just say, so grateful that we're a part of a community where the people are coming together around what it is that Christ has called us to. And really in that, that leads us to what we've been talking about in this teaching series called beg. And as we think about that word beg, really what it spells out for us is belong, equip, go. Say that with me on three. Belong, equip, go. Turn to your neighbor and say, belong, equip, go. And so we've been begging God to work in this way, in this ministry season that we found ourselves in as a church. That we want to be a church that's marked by belonging, equipping, and going. That we desire for that to be a reality in our community here at Riverbend. And so as we are in this teaching series, we're getting to the second part of this message series, and that is equip as far as what it is that we're talking about. And the Apostle Paul would write a letter to the church in Ephesus, and it's called Ephesians. And I really encourage you to read the whole book of Ephesians because many commentators have said that when you look at the book of Ephesians, in a lot of ways, it's like a church constitution. In other words, the, the way the church is supposed to operate, Ephesians does such a beautiful job of laying out for us what it is that we're called to be about as followers of Jesus. And so you see in Ephesians 4, the Apostle Paul really focuses on the unity, the fact that we are one in Christ and that we're rallying around who he is. But then he gets down to verse 7 and 8, and he says the following. Again, the verses are on the screen. I invite you to follow along with us if you have a copy of the Bible. If you don't own a copy of the Bible, we have free copies for you. You can use your app as well, along with the Riverbend app, which will have sermon notes. But this is what it says here in Ephesians 4, starting in verse 7, as we're looking at this passage this morning. 
But to each one of us, grace has been given as Christ apportioned it. This is why it says, when he ascended on high, he took many captives and gave gifts to his people. And so I want you to just get this picture. In light of what Jesus has done for us through his life, death, burial, and resurrection, there's, this, there's been this grace that has been given to each and every one of us as he's apportioned it. And I think this is really important because this word, each one of us, really that word, when you translate it in the Greek, it really literally means each and every one of us. So each and every one of us who are in Christ Jesus have been apportioned this grace that he has given to us. As he has been deemed victorious over sin and death, he has given us the gift of this grace. So what is this grace? Well, this grace is this unmerited favor. This grace is this idea that we couldn't earn it, we couldn't achieve it, we have to receive it from Christ. This grace is the fact that in him we have a right standing with God and a right relationship with God, but also that he has wired us in certain ways that allow our lives to be used for his kingdom advancement. And so each of us has a grace that has been received if we are in Christ. First of all, receiving what Christ has given to us, but also the gifts that he has put within us as well. It's this grace that allows us to endure pain and suffering and difficulty. It's this grace that allows us to understand that he doesn't just give us what we don't deserve, like taking care of our sin and giving us forgiveness, but he adds to our account a million dollars. So we had this debt of a million dollars. He takes that million-dollar debt away and puts a million dollars in our account, which really represent his righteousness and holiness on our behalf. It's beautiful to think about. This is ours in Christ Jesus. Again, grace given, grace given, grace given is meant to be this gift received. Grace is given is a gift to be received. It's a gift to be received. And so as we think about this idea, and as we consider all that Christ has for us, I want to ask you this, this question as we consider this, and as we think about this, what grace have you been gifted? What grace have you been gifted in your own life? Think about that with me for a moment. What is the grace that you have been gifted? And if you notice, in our lives, it's easy to do that which my son does, which is to recognize what he does not have. Have you ever noticed that children have such a great way of doing that? They recognize what everybody else has, the commercials that Target specifically talks about, Walmart, right? They have a great way of saying, hey, I want this, but they have all these other things. And they're not even playing with the things that they have. And you're like, wait a minute, what's going on here? And they're, they're talking about, wait a second, I need this, and I need that, and I don't know why this isn't here. And you know, in our own lives, we're like that as well. We have a short view of what we've been given. We have a small view of what we've been given. We, we often fail to see all the grace that we have received. And that can happen in a lot of different ways. Oftentimes, it can happen with pride and self-righteousness. We can look down on people, right? That's one part of it. But also, there's that false humility 
that says something like this. I have nothing to offer. I'm not like you fill in the blank. I'm not like this person. I don't have what they have. And the list goes on and on and on, and we fail to see, wait a minute, if Jesus, who descended and then ascended, has given us his grace, we have so much to offer. But we have to receive it. It has to be received. It has to be lived in. It's why every day I I try to pray a prayer that's really simple. Jesus, help me to receive your love so I can give your love. Because if I don't receive your love, I can't give your love. It's actually a prayer we prayed together as a worship tech team before you got here. Because if I don't receive that love, I can't practice self-forgetfulness. I'm caught up in how I'm perceived by other people. How you view me, how you think about me, how the sermon went. But when I'm freed from that, I can just do my very best and love you well and serve you well. And daily we're to receive his grace. Daily we're to receive his mercies that are new every morning. The love that he longs to give us that is fully and completely given to us through his finished work on our behalf. But we have to receive it. So are you coming to him open-handed, willing to receive it? Do you recognize what he has given to you? Do you see what's in your account? You're not operating, if you're in Christ, in a deficit. You have all the inheritance that is and found in what Jesus has done and who Jesus is. We are co-heirs with Christ. Yes and amen? That is our identity. But then the Apostle Paul, as you go down through Ephesians 4, he goes on to say this. He says, so Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, which is another way to say shepherds, and teachers, to equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. And as you think about what Paul gets at, he says, so Christ himself gave specific gifts to people. He gave the gift of people who are wired up in certain ways. And he uses these five five callings, the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and the teachers. So hold up your hand for me like this. Hold up your hand for me like this. Hold up. Now, do this for me real quick. All right? This is effective when you're punching someone, right? But it's not effective when you're trying to reach for something, right? So hold out your hand like this, right? Turn your neighbor. Give him a high five. Give him a high five. And I want you to see this because here's the picture. This is the picture. You can put your hand down or you can keep him up. You know, I, I received that. I received it. Yes, Lord. Yes, we believe you're going to work today. Yes. But what's powerful about this and what you read, what Paul says, is that the body of Christ is really meant to function like, the, like our hand. Our hand is only as effective as each finger does its part. And each and every one of us has something to offer. And these were given, these people were given so that the equipping could happen, so that we could be equipped for the works of service, the works of ministry, so we could step into all that God has intended and created each and every one of us for. And and here's the, the truth. I need what you have 
because I don't have what you have, and you need what I have because you don't have what I have. We need one another. And there's value when we operate and how God's called us to operate. And as you look at this and as you think about this, there's a lot of ways people have interpreted these verses. One interpretation is these five have ceased to exist. I don't personally believe that. I don't believe that. Now, if you have that interpretation, hey, we're still friends. We're, we're good. So others say, hey, this is a limited and a select few of people who have this. And I don't necessarily go there either. And here's why, as we, we'll see in a minute. Mine is, I believe that the body of Christ has been given these specific calls. And the reason why is because when you read Ephesians 4, my personal conviction on this is the language is each and every one of us have received grace. And part of that grace, I believe, is this. And then even as you go further down, you're going to see him say that type of language again. And no matter where you land on a passage like this, here's the truth, though. The truth is we are intended to be equipped, but we're also intended to help equip others. Because not all of us, not all of us, even when we look at these five, are going to specifically land in a position of being a leader. And that's okay, because we don't need everybody to be a leader. But maybe you're going to serve by using one of these fives in the ministry that God has called you to and given to you. You're going to be a supporter. We need that, as this passage goes on to say. We need that as well. But then as we think about the, the gifts that are given, as we talk about spiritual gifts, whether that's 1 Corinthians or, or Romans, a lot of that really speaks to the manifestation of the Spirit, things that were given in that way or specific skills. And, and one scholar has said about that, that's really looking at it as a, a, a toolbox. So the call, for example, is, hey, I'm a carpenter, for example. But in my toolbox, I have a, le a level, I have a hammer, I have a tape measure, I have all these tools within that box that I'm using. And again, whatever, wherever you land, I just want you to hear, I want you to hear, we have something to offer, and we need one another. Again, we are equipped when we help equip each other, and the church has a part to play in this as well, and you're going to see how we specifically want to do that as a church. But again, we are equipped when we help equip each other. And as we continue on here, what I wanted to do is I wanted to define what these words mean. Because when you hear apostle, you're like, what does that even mean? You know, and are you talking about like you're up there with the apostle Paul? You know, is this like an uppercase apostle? That's not what we're talking about. But we're really talking about what is it that makes that person an apostle? What is it that gives them that type of vocational calling? An apostle, this is, it comes from Brad Briscoe as he defines these five out, is one who is sent and extends. And here's the ministry outcome, missional impact. Apostle, sent one, is used over 80 times in the New Testament. And here's what an unhealthy apostle will look like if they're not being formed in Christ. They can move at the speed that is too fast to possibly go. And as a result, they can burn people out if they're not careful. But if they're healthy, they can make such kingdom impact. God can use them in profound ways. The next one is, is prophet. Prophet is one who questions and reforms. Ministry outcome, covenant faithfulness. Prophet is used nearly 800 times in Scripture, over 150 times in the New Testament. And a prophet is so valuable to what it is that we're intended 
to be. And we need, again, the apostles because they're the sent ones. They're, they're going to move things forward. The prophet's going to bring the necessary reform. An unhealthy prophet can really speak in such black and white terms, and they can become self-righteous if they're not careful. They can look down on people. They can become bitter because people don't do it the way they think they should do it. And also, they can be people who really stand for what they're against, not what they are for. If they're unhealthy, if they stay there. That doesn't mean that they have to be unhealthy, but they can be. All right, next one. Evangelist, one who recruits and gathers. Ministry outcomes, gospel proclamation. Evangelist is also used in Acts and 2 Timothy. An evangelist is so important because they bring people together. An evangelist is important because they're proclaiming the good news as well. But an unhealthy evangelist, if they're not careful, what they can do is they can exaggerate the truth and the reality. They, they can be so winsome in their words that they're not fully telling it like it truly is. Uh, they can be uh, so, so impulsive at times if they're not healthy. They have to grow in health in this that they just keep moving and moving without thinking like, wait a minute, let me be prudent here. Let me see the whole picture here right? They don't have to stay that way. None of these have to be unhealthy. We don't have to be our false selves in Christ. We get to be our true selves in Christ. We don't have to hide behind one of these callings, but we can stand in our calling in Christ, right? And we can grow. The next one is this, a shepherd, one who protects and provides. Ministry outcomes, reconciled community. Shepherd is used 23 times in the New Testament, and a shepherd is so important to helping to care and to walk alongside people to provide community. A shepherd oftentimes walks, though, in a fear of disappointing people, in a fear of somehow not only disappointing, but when disagreement emerges and conflict emerges, instead of doing the thing that maybe God's called them to do, when they're unhealthy, they just follow what everybody else wants for them. And so, again, they don't have to stay there. Shepherd can be healthy. And all I want you to hear is we need all five of these, all right? This is my point, okay? We need all five. And then here's the last one, teacher. One who understands and explains. Ministry outcome, deep wisdom. Teacher is used 129 times in the New Testament. And the teacher is really vital as well, as all five of these are. But the teacher, oftentimes, if they're not careful, they can get in their head. They can stay in their head. They have a hard time getting outside of that space, but also they start to see teaching more important than the people that they're teaching. And so we've got to stay healthy in, if you're in that camp of saying, hey, what does Christ want us to become as I seek to use this gift for his glory? My bigger point than all, in all of this, though, is you'll notice, again, five are mentioned, and we need all five. We need what you bring, and I am one to quickly acknowledge of my own need for the people around me to help me to step into what it is that I'm intended to be. And I love how Paul does this because he helps us very clearly understand that. So how can we help equip each other? How can we help to do that? And again, no matter if you say, hey, I have more of a leadership gift in this, kind of, in this way, or I'm more of a, a supporter or a ministry-oriented person, Either way, wherever you land, you have something to offer. I know I've been in conversations with people who would not view themselves, nor would I view them necessarily as 
a leader who would be a point leader, but I've been equipped by our conversation and what it is that they have learned and seen because their perspective and their wisdom gain has helped me to become more effective to what it is that God has called me to be. It shows me things I can't see in my limited personality and perspective. Because again, I, I don't have all five of these. I have limits, in case you didn't know that. And you have limits, right? We all do. That's why we need one another. Again, how can we help equip each other? So as we continue on here, I want you to hear what Paul goes on to say in Ephesians 4. And I want you to, again, read the whole book of Ephesians this week, but specifically pay attention to chapter 4. Read the whole thing for yourself. But listen to what it says here. As we all five do this thing that God's called us to, which is to equip the people, one another, for the work of service, the work of ministry, and we walk in the unity that God has given to us. He goes on to say, this is what's going to happen. Then we will no longer be infants tossed back and forth by the waves and blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by the cunning and craftiness of people in their deceitful scheming. I have a question for you guys this week. Did you think it was windy this week? Did you think it was windy? Was it windy to you? Right, you know, and, and when it's windy, it's like, man, I, I, you could feel it in your car, right? You're on 22. Whoa, what's going on? I'm driving safe, you know. What's, what's, what's happening, right? What's happening? And then I'm, I'm even out on the trampoline with my son. You know, he loves that trampoline that we have. He's got so much energy. So I've made a commitment no matter how cold it is. We're going out at least 30 minutes to an hour, jumping on the trampoline. But man, that wind blowing me right in the face, hit me, ah, you know? In the same way, deceitful scheming and doctrine, teaching that's out of line with God's ways through the Scripture and who Jesus is, it's easy to be deceived. And you notice that when he talks about being equipped, and he talks about all five, that when we are equipped, then we'll no longer be like infants. And infants are really, really cute, aren't they? They are really, really cute. I mean, there's a lot of infants around Riverbend. Man, I, I, love, I love infants. But infants, really what he's getting at, don't have a full comprehension and understanding. They, they want this one minute, and then they want another thing, the another minute. A lot of times they don't even know what they want, right? They're just crying and screaming and doing what infants do. And he says, hey, listen, we're not meant to be like infants, but the way that we aren't going to be like infants and be having a childish faith, but childlike faith, is when all five of us are doing our part, as we talked about that fivefold of apostle, prophet, evangelist, shepherd, teacher, and equipping one another into whatever capacity God has called us to do that. Then we're not going to be deceived. Then we're not going to be deceived by the latest and greatest of whatever cultural moment we find ourselves whatever compelling podcaster is out there, whatever TikTok influencer may be, we won't be deceived. But that won't happen without one another. That can't happen unless each of us does our part and says, whoa, 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 wait a minute. It seems like you're just doing this, and wherever the wind's taking you, you're going in that direction. You're not anchored into something. And we're meant to be anchored. And community being equipped together by one another ensures that we're not just tossed here and there.
by every wind of doctrine. Deceitful scheming. And he goes on to say this, because this is what's going to happen if we do our part. Instead, speaking what? What does he say here? Speaking the truth in what? Not just speaking the truth and not just love. Some of us are like, yeah, speaking the truth. That's my, yeah, yeah, come on. I need more of that. Some of us are like, in love. Yes, I love that. No, speaking the truth in love. Instead, speaking the truth in love. We will become, we will grow to become, in every respect, the mature body of him who is the head. That is, who? You mean it's not Joe Velarde? I'm not the head? Thank you, guys. I didn't know that, right? No, seriously, though, we need to hear that because we're not the head of this thing. You're not. I'm not. Jesus is. It's about him. And instead of being deceived, instead, we're going to speak the truth in love. We're going to be honest and hopeful all at the same time. We're going to be a people marked by his grace and his truth. We're going to lean into conversations that are uncomfortable because those are the kind of conversations in love that grow us and grow other people up in the ways of Jesus. But it's done out of a place of this deep love that Christ has for us and has for others. And we're going to be open to those conversations. Yeah, it may make us uncomfortable. Hey, sometimes people say things that you're like, oh, man, now that you said that, I, I, I think I can kind of hear where you're coming from on that. Even if you don't agree fully, if they are speaking the truth in love, most of the time, there's something you can take away from it. There's something you can learn from it. But again, we want to do our part. We want to understand that we don't want to be infants tossed to and fro, instead speaking the truth in love so that we can grow up in every respect to the head of the body, that is Jesus Christ. And it says this in verse 16, from him the whole body joined and held together by every supporting ligament grows and builds itself up in love as each part what? As each part does its work. Each part. Each part does its work. And let me ask you guys, do you think supporting ligaments are important in your body? Right? They're, impor they're important, right? You need these supporting ligaments. I have some doctors in the house. If I could have a moment and talk to them, like, oh, I don't think I need the supporting ligament. Like, it's, do I need that around my hand? And they're like, you crazy? Yes, you need that, right? And when you don't have it, you feel it and you know it. You know it. You feel that pain. In the same way, the body of Christ feels that pain too. When each and every one of us doesn't do the part that we were created to do. Again, we want to do our part as Christ has put in us to do. Because each of us has something to offer. And we want to grow in the likeness of Christ. We want to continue to be all that he's created us to be. So as we think about what Paul says here, there's a couple things I want to give to you. And the first part of this is, is the following, as we look at this, that maturity is measured by how much the church looks like Christ. I want you to know that. Maturity is measured by how much the church looks like Christ. And you guys hear me often talk about this, but 
That's why we've got to be careful not to be people who are duped into thinking that maturity is just information alone. No, no, no. We need the information, but it's meant to lead to our formation in Christ, becoming the people he's called us to be, to be transformed in his likeness, and then to join him in the multiplication movement that he's doing all around us. Again, maturity is measured by how much the church looks like Christ and what he did, what he said, what he was about, that we would come around him. And these, again, are the words that Paul would talk about when he talks about maturity. Here's the next part of this. We grow in our capacity to love like Christ as each person does their part. We grow in our capacity to love like Christ as each person does its part. And I want you to believe that this morning. I want you to believe that you have something to offer. I want you to walk away with this conviction. Hey, I have something to offer. Because not only do we need you, you, we were created to be interdependent. And we want to walk in all that Christ has called us to be as a church. Again, we grow in our capacity to love like Christ as each person does their part. And I don't want you to limit what that part could look like. Because a Sunday gathering, yes, that's part of it. We have opportunities for that. But that part could be in all kinds of different lanes that God is calling you to. That, that lane that he's calling you to that is part of this as well is the vocation that he has you in, the work he's put you in. You guys have heard me talk about this. Where you work, where you go to school, where you play, that's part of the vocation that he's put you in. And it's part of the way we do the part that he's called us to. Again, we grow in our capacity to love like Christ as each person does their part. As we go on here, here's the question for you. Will you know your role and play your part? Will you know your role and play your part? Because you have something to offer. And again, all of us are in different seasons, so this is not a message to somehow convince you, hey, you got to do more than God's asking you to do. That's not what I'm asking you to do. I'm asking you to take this to heart. Do you believe he's put something in you? Do you believe he's wired you in a way? And are you willing to step into that? And then see how he would use you, what he's asking you to walk into to help equip others for the work of ministry, the work of service. And so as we think about that, I want you to turn to your neighbor and just ask him this question. Go ahead and do that. Well, as we think about this, I want you to know the answer from the leadership at Riverbend to this question for us is yes, we're going to do our part. And so it's one thing to talk about what it is we as a body are about and what it is that we are created for, but we also want to provide opportunities for equipping to happen. And so I want to mention two equipping opportunities. The first actually is going to be the marriage seminar that's coming up. And I'm going to invite Tom and Beth Ann Miller to the stage right now. They're going to share about the marriage seminar. So you can hear it from them. And I want you to hear what it is that this is all going to entail. 
I got a mic for these guys. And, and I want you to know we're doing this at our partner church, First Baptist Allentown. One of the things that, we, as we think about even this passage, we don't view other churches as competition. We view them as kingdom collaborators. We pray for them. We desire God's best. If they're lifting up Jesus in his word, the scripture, and we have a great relationship with First Baptist Allentown. Uh, Pastor Chuck is one of my dear, dear brothers and friends. Literally, we've walked through a lot of things together. Um, and so when this opportunity came for us to do it together, we're like, this makes sense. And so I want you to hear from Tom and Beth Ann about this time and what, what it all is and, and tell them a bit about what's going to happen there. Good morning, everybody. Um, just so thankful, Joe, for teaching on Ephesians. And uh, it's a good picture Ephesians 5, actually the next chapter, I hope I'm not stealing anybody's thunder nope, for next you're week, not, you're not, you're um, good. is where it talks about, you know, uh, husbands, love your wives, wives submit to your husbands. So that this is a picture, being able to share with other couples within a marriage retreat is, is a good picture of where this can play out. You know, service is not only within the body to each other, it's, it's within this relationship, too. Mm-hmm. That's one of the places that God makes it plain and gives us a place to do that. Yeah, so April 14th and 15th at First Baptist Church in Allentown, 6.30, Friday night till 9, and then 10 to 4 the next day. We will be using the material from the invitation, which is heavily connective. Instead of informative, it's heavily connective. So it doesn't matter where you're at in your marriage, whether it's disintegrating, strong. Um, if, you're, if you're just getting married, please come and talk to us because I think it would be appropriate uh, if you're engaged and going forward into marriage for that. But it's going to be heavy dialogue. Tom and I don't like to stand up and talk from the front. We like to learn from others. Um, and this is one of the many places, including globally, uh, over the next couple of years that we're doing this seminar, so we're pleased to be able to offer this right at home with one of our partner churches. Awesome. Yes, as they, as they go sit down, I want to just say to you guys, too, with that, and I'm going to invite Matt Kay to come up now. As, as they have talked about that, we want to encourage you to sign up for it. And, and so there's a fee with it. Uh, there's an option to do it with or without the book as far as purchase. So maybe you already have the book. You can, you can still do it. Even if um, you're like, hey, I don't have a book, you can, they have all those kind of options on their site right there. So I want to encourage you to sign up for that. Again, this is one of the ways that we're trying to help equip you. We, I want you to hear this. This wasn't an accident. This wasn't like, oh, you know what, what, you know what we could use? Another thing on a weekend, you know? That's what we could, re- you know what? You know what, I, we, need, we need to get busier on the weekends, right? No. It's because of with intention. It's with intention for equipping. But then the other part of this equipping time that I want to mention that is not tied to the marriage retreat is what's called the three-thirds method training that we're doing Saturday, May 20th from 9 to 11 a.m. right here at Riverbend. Child care will be provided. And I want you to hear more about what this training entails. I'm going to be a part of it. Matt Kay will be a part of it. Pastor Chris will be a part of it. Others, hopefully, Lord willing, will be a part of it as God sees fit. But I wanted you to hear from Matt Kay just to share a bit about what it is that we're going to be doing in that time. Can we give it up for Matt, by the way? We always love having Matt Kay up here. Yeah, uh, well, Pastor Joe and I were just talking. I mean, 
maybe an illustration is helpful because I feel like illustrations go a really long way. But imagine each of these light bulbs were different. They weren't all uniform and the same. They were actually different colors, sizes, and shapes. And they were designed that way, different for a reason, for a purpose. But the light and the electricity that was in each of them was the same light. Same light, but different sizes, shapes, and colors. And that's the body of Christ. See, there's a way that Jesus shines through you that he doesn't shine through me, as Pastor Joe was saying. And there's a way that Jesus shines through others in our lives. And so when we talk about this full measure and stature of the body of Christ, it's like we want to see the whole church activated, fully alive in Jesus. Because that'll change the world, amen? And so the, the, the beauty of this, and we talk about that phrase, equipping the saints for the work of ministry, is every single one of you who believe in Jesus has a spiritual gift that somewhere, some, somebody in the world is missing out if you don't use it. Somewhere, somebody in the world is missing out if you don't use what God has invested in you. And so this equipping the saints for the work of ministry piece is what does it look like to just unleash that gift that God has put in you? and to see the gospel flourish in and through you in all the spaces where you live, learn, work, and play. And so when we talk about the three-thirds method, honestly, it sounds so boring to say it like that. <laughs> hey, guys, come hear the three-thirds method. It's amazing. No, no, no. We want to see the body of Christ so fully alive and activated in all the spaces where we live, learn, work, and play. The method is just that, look, globally, when you look at where Christianity is flourishing, Africa, Latin America, Asia. And I go, what are the brothers and sisters in Africa, Latin America, and Asia doing when they go and make disciples? When they obey Jesus' command to go and make disciples of all nations, what are they doing? They're doing things like this. And so that's why we share it, because we want to learn downstream from where the fire is hot. Amen? Mm-hmm. And so that's, that's the heart of this training, is um, one of our greatest joys in the equipping piece of ministry is when Brothers and sisters say to us, you know what? I've heard go and make disciples my whole life as a Christian. This helped me live into it and do it. Mm-hmm. I've heard share my faith with other people and be an evangelist, do the work of an evangelist. I've heard that a million times in my life as a Christian. This helped me like normalize it in the context of everyday life. And so that's our heart. Um, we want to demystify and normalize these things that God has put in us for his glory and for the common good of the body of Christ and for the whole world. So, hope you come to the three-thirds method training uh, (laughs) in May. You sold me. You sold me. That was great, man. (laughs) And as we think about that, as we consider even all that was shared, it's our desire, and I love what Matt said there. We want to see the body of Christ activated. We, We believe that we are intended to be in the arena we're intended to be in the game. We're not intended just to be on the sidelines, in the stands. And we want to see your marriage activated to all that God has intended it to be. Because we believe if you are married, that is your first ministry. That is your first area of ministry. We, we believe that. If you've made that decision to covet your life with another person in marriage, that is your first ministry. And we want to help equip you there. And then for anybody and everybody who's a follower of Christ, we desire, we desire for you to be in a situation, in a position where you can truly step into all that God has for you, no matter what the relational environment and context is. First, your relationship with your Heavenly Father. 
through the finished work of Jesus and by the power of the Holy Spirit. Your relationship to those who you're close to or you have circles of influence with. And then those that maybe God's asking you to lead in some kind of capacity. In whatever realm, we want you to be ready. We want you to be, as I've said often over this season, battle ready. And battle ready isn't to go fight somebody. It's to go fight for someone. It's to fight for the things that Jesus died for and gave his life for and was resurrected for and ascended up for and is going to come back for. We want to be battle ready. We want to fight for the things he has put in us, but also fight for the people around us, the places that he has put us in. Not for our namesake, but to lift up the name and the banner of Jesus. We need this more than ever. We are in a hopeless day and age. People are riddled with anxiety and fear. And we need a church that doesn't minimize those things, but says, hey, I want to tell you about an anchor that I hold on to in it. I want to tell you about a group of people where I shared these things, my anxieties and my fears, and instead of throwing stones, they gave me a hug and kept pointing me towards the living water that's found in Jesus. These struggles, these things I'm battling, these difficulties, we want to be a city on a hill that shines our light bright. And the way that happens, again, as each of us step into it, and we are equipped for the work of the ministry that God's called us to, and each and every one of us doing the part that he's put within us to do. I'm grateful. I'm grateful to be a part of a community where I believe even as imperfect as we are, that we are desirous and we are striving to do so. And we're continuing to learn and grow as we do that in the process of seeing disciples made who are going to make disciples. But I don't want to get ahead of myself because next week we're going to get into that. But I want to invite you, if you've made any decision today, any decision to become a follower of Christ, any decision to say, hey, I want to learn more about this APES thing. I want to talk to somebody about my giftings, my wirings. Text this number. Let us know that. We want to be able to follow up with you. And then the other part of, of responding is I want to invite you to give in one of these ways. And I want to just say to you, it's your generosity that allows us actually to provide equipping opportunities, as I mentioned. It's your generosity that allows us to step fully into what God has called us to as a church, of living for Jesus, loving the valley and the world. And so you can text it in, you can use the app, you can mail it in, you can go online, or you can give it today in person. And today, we are reminded as we give, we're given as a response to the grace that's been given to us. We've received. And so we're giving in response to that. So I'm going to ask the offering baskets to be passed. And then I want to mention to you, just so you're aware of it, this week we will be sending out giving statements to just help you to know where we are and also where you are and, and your role of helping us to be on mission. That's going to come through email. So I just, I'm telling you that so it doesn't get to your spam folder and you're like, hey, Joe said some type of email's coming. I didn't see it. Uh, but again, it's our way of being able to help you to step into the mission, to further equip you to all that God's called us to. And then the last way that we're going to respond is through singing. So I'm going to invite the band to come up. And as they come up, I want you to be thinking with me. Again, all that Jesus says of us, has for us, has created us for. I want you to be thinking with me about 
what it is that he's asking of you. And today you may not fully know yet. You may be just still processing. But I want you to step into whatever he's asking you to do by his grace and by the power of the Holy Spirit. No, nobody here at Riverbend wants to course you into doing it, guilt you into it. No, no, no. We want the Spirit to, to call you forward. We want Him to lead you. Yes, we have a, a part to play in providing the environment and opportunities, but we can't, nor do we want to, do what only God Himself can do by the power of the Spirit, drawing you in to what He has for you. But we want it for you. We want you to just step fully into the maturity that's found in Christ. That's what Paul says in Colossians. He strenuously works for it, that he could present everybody. Everybody means everybody, literally. Everybody, everybody. Mature in Christ. And mature isn't just what they knew. It was who they were becoming in the character and likeness of Christ, in his competencies, the ways of Jesus, what he did with his mission. I want you to know, that's the power at work in Paul, he said. It's the power of Christ in him that allowed him to do that. But I want you to know that is my aim. That is our aim, that we work to that end, to present everybody mature in Christ. No matter where you've been, no matter who you are, no matter your ups, your downs, no matter how far you've gone from your faith or far you've run from God, it doesn't matter. We, we work to that end to help you to take your next step in Jesus and with Jesus. But not us, Christ in us, the hope of glory. And so I want you to be thinking, what is it that he's asking you to do? What is it that he's calling you to? Maybe it's one of these opportunities that we mentioned. And we want to, again, provide those, those places and those spaces. And maybe it's something else altogether. We want you to know, we want to go where God's asking you to go. We want to help you to do that. We want to help you to do that. And so as we get ready to sing this last song, I want to just invite us to take a moment just to quiet our hearts and to make ourselves ready for God to speak to us. And just in the quiet of our voice, just to say to the Lord, say to him, hey, I want to hear your voice. Speak to me, your servant's listening. I want to hear your voice. Speak to me, your servant is listening. So I'm going to be quiet for a minute, and then I'll pray for us. Father, right now, I just uh, thank you for your love for us that's so real. And Lord, I thank you for even what we read this morning in Ephesians 4, that through Jesus, the grace was given. Thank you, Jesus, for not only coming and dying, but being resurrected and going to the depths and go into the highs to take us captive who were held captive by sin and death. Jesus, we've been set free because of you. And so we want to be people who bask in that freedom, but walk in that freedom. And we know freedom received is a way of life that we choose daily. To say to you, yes, Jesus, whatever you ask of me, my answer is yes. And so, Lord, I pray for the wisdom and the courage to follow you to whatever it is you're calling us to do. And Lord, I pray that even as we think about what you've done for us and what you've provided for us, I pray that we would be open 
to what it is you're saying to us. Lord, you never ask us to do this alone. You don't leave us as orphans. You promised in John 14, the Spirit, the Comforter, the Advocate would come when you ascended up, and praise be to God, he did come. I pray we be people marked by the Spirit's work in our lives, the fruit of the Spirit ever growing in us from the inside out that would grow into your likeness, into your maturity, Christ. I pray that we would experience a loving union. And Father, I know even when we get around a message like this, some of us come from church experiences where it was used to guilt trip us into something. And so, Lord, I pray the the shackles of legalism would just fall from this place right now. Lord, if there's shackles holding us captive from legalism, I pray we'd be set free. If there's shackles of woundedness, Lord, that have our hearts, Father, would you bring freedom right now? Lord, if, if there's shackles of anything that's costly, it's not worth doing because it's going to cost me too much. And so we, we maybe settle for the shackle of comfort at all costs. Father, would that shackle just come off right now by the name of Jesus, by the blood of the Lamb, we plead it right now over this place. Holy Spirit, we invite you. We ask you to work in our midst. And we're grateful for the good things that you're doing here. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.